Welcome to the future of NFTs, brought to you by Adlunum, the first engaged to earn proof of attention IDO launchpad. Hosted by co-founder Natya Bester, we bring you exclusive insights on NFTs, the revolutionary digital technology that's transforming the world as we know it. Hey, Web3 world, this is Natya Bester from Adlunum the Web3 investment ecosystem empowering early stage startups through our startup accelerator and retail investors through our engaged to earn platform using gamified proof of attention. And of course, as always, welcome to today's show where you are listening to the future of NFTs or digital collectibles, as some people like to call it instead, the show that looks beyond current NFT use cases to what non-fungible token technology is evolving into all of this as seen through the eyes and built by the minds of the fascinating guest speakers that we speak to each week. So my guest today is a pioneer in the realm of photography and digital innovation. Uh, Ev, welcome to the show. Ev uh, Chebotarov has been at the forefront of revolutionizing the photography community since the early 2000s. Now, this might seem like just the other day, but if you think about it in the early 2000s, Photography and especially digital photography is def was definitely not what it is today. People were not taking photos of everything they saw the way that we do today. Now, this is before the advent of Facebook and other photo sharing platforms that Ev foresaw the potential of a community for photographers. And in 24, so really a long time ago, established uh, 500px which was a space for photographers to connect and share their art. Now, his professional journey in the photography space definitely mirrors his passion for elevating visual creativity. He's been a judge at renowned photo contests like the Red Bull Illume, Photo Live, Sony World Photographer Awards. Uh, in terms of business, uh, he has had a successful stint in Asia, enhancing product management capabilities with various companies. Uh, he was the VP of Growth for Asia at Skylum Software, where his efforts significantly propelled the company's presence in markets like Japan and South Korea. And in 2021, he co-founded Sloika, stepping in as CEO to craft a novel NFT experience for photographers. Now, about Sloika, and definitely if you're interested in photography, stay tuned for this episode. Sloika is a curated NFT photography marketplace and community. And uh, yeah, de definitely testament to Ev's own belief uh, that visual storytelling stands central to human culture. Sloika is, uh, is exactly the same. Very committed to bringing about a digital renaissance for photographers. The platform grants photographers over photo rights, royalty fees, and really aims to create a vibrant space for visual artistry, artistry in the digital age. So if you're tuning in today, join us for this chat with Ev as we dive into the intersection of digital photography and digital collectibles as seen through the lens of Sloika, pun intended. So Ev, very happy to have you. Um, I think, you know, there's so much ground that we can cover today, but I really want to start off with a very basic question just to lay the foundation, because if we think about the word photographer, you know, one of two things comes to mind. Either it's a professional photographer and, you know, you've 
perhaps studied photography or you make a living as a photographer, but then because of digital technology and the way that it has just infused every aspect of our lives, I mean, today everyone is a photographer. As soon as you pick up your phone and you take a photo of anything, that does make you a photographer and that means we are photographers all throughout the day. So in positioning this discussion today, uh, give us your definition of who is a photographer and if we're talking about Web3 technologies, which kind of photographers are we talking about? Um, yeah, that's a great point. Um, and thanks for an intro that was uh, uh, kind of like uh, both aged me a little and uh, also helped me relive some of those moments because uh, it's been a long journey. Um, but yeah, I think photography is definitely the most popular hobby in the world. Uh, we all have phones in our, actually like cameras in our pockets that sometimes ring and sometimes send messages. Um, and that is why it is so hard to define uh, who the photographer is, uh, because, again, we all take pictures multiple times a day. Um, and I think it's it's generally very good because people who take pictures, uh, who just uh, on their phones, realize that there's a difference probably between pictures that uh, a regular person takes just a snap and the pictures that they see, uh, you know, in places like galleries uh, or in advertisement and so on and so forth. Um, and the difference is kind of like arguably becomes greater, I think, for the photographers to pursue their art. They actually have to push it a little bit further to innovate their techniques. Uh, you know, in these days, uh, some photography is infused with AI. And so basically the progress never stops. Um, and in this case, uh, the everybody who is on their phones, uh, it helps them actually understand that there's a bit of a gap that, you know, taking pictures uh, freely. Uh, I take a lot of pictures with my phone uh, and, you know, it's very different from me picking up a big camera uh, and actually working through, uh, you know, either a particular like a hiking track, which I haven't done in a while, but it used to a long time ago, uh, or some other places where you actually need a specialized equipment and some preparation and some planning to make sure that you get the shot. So in that sense, um, you know, if we look at how United States, uh, for example, defines uh, or like United States labor, uh, I guess, uh, defines photography. It's the people who make majority of their income, uh, more than 50 percent through photography. And I would have to say that it's probably not it's probably very, very tight definition because so many people uh, are serious hobbyists. They take um, uh you know, specific projects, but may not be enough to make majority of their income through photography. And I think that's fine. I think that uh, having, uh, you know, I guess we're living in a world where you have to have multiple incomes or multiple things that you're uh, passionate and doing. And so photography is definitely one of those where uh, it's getting a little bit harder to just be a photographer. So it's usually combined with other things um, to to make a living. But it does not diminish the uh, talent or work of photographers, uh, you know, for whom that's uh, either a serious hobby or a part-time job um, and so on. So the definition is that, that I would use personally is, is a bit broader. And I think it relies just kind of like, is that consistent and is that good? 
So if I see work of uh, an artist photographer uh, and their art is good quality uh, and I think more importantly consistent, so if they're a wedding photographer that they shoot weddings, if they're a macro photographer that they should uh, macro consistently like over and over and over again. And I think through consistency, you can actually achieve greatness. Um, and yeah, that's, you know, if, if they have a great portfolio, um, by all definitions, they are a great photographer and professional photographer, at least in my eyes. Yeah, that is a really great definition and definitely less tight and less restrictive uh, than the definition that you said where 50% of your income needs to come from photography. So I wanted to touch on this later on in the conversation, but I think it's so important maybe to do this at the start because obviously in, in 2021, we saw this proliferation of NFT and that went to NFT art and to PFPs and there was some chatter around the, the photography NFT space as well. But the predominant narrative at the time was you get into NFTs because that's what's going to make you rich as an artist. So with everything that Sloika is doing, and we'll get into that in a um, this idea that NFTs are for making money as an artist, how much of a, you know, if, if we had to put a percentage on it, perhaps, uh, especially in the market that we have right now, where there's not a lot of liquidity, there's not a lot of money flowing into projects and to artists and photographers, how important do you think it is for this to be a main part of the conversation? Or what are the let's say, the key areas of the conversation in relation to NFTs that we should be focusing on, if not the income stream. Yeah, I, I'm a bit laughing on the background while I was muted. Uh, I, I think you're right. Uh, we had a bit of a, a crazy market in 2021. I, I think everybody thought uh, that it's going to continue. Um, obviously, that was a bit harder. It, like, you know, a, a man can dream, right? <laughs> so we always thought it's going to go up and to the right. Uh, it didn't. It actually went uh, down and to the right. Um, and so I think what we're seeing is that NFTs as a technology is great and robust. Uh, I think the uh, glorification of NFTs as like the savior of humanity, I think is a bit overblown, um, which is, again, like, you know, so there's uh, people who would call themselves maxis, I guess, that would see that as the, uh, you know, complete future of how digital goods are traded. I think it's still in the future. Um, the timeline for that is obviously becoming more murky because, uh just just because it's kind of like uh with the market as it is right now it's it's less clear uh is it going to rebound is it going to take a long time or shorter time um and so the way that photography well I guess photographers are making their income is partially through nfts but i would actually strongly suggest uh against uh betting everything on nfts so i'm i'm building nft marketplace uh, for photographers, and then uh, at the same time, I'm, I'm advising against uh, putting all your eggs in one big NFT basket. And the reason for that is that... Well, yeah, I mean, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, 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 go ahead. I, I just want to add, I mean, that is probably the healthiest approach uh, for anyone, not only building in the space, but also advocating or using the space is to not see it as the savior of humanity, as you said, whatever the technology is. And especially when it comes to the liquidity, do not think that, okay, this is going to be the dream boat that you've been waiting for your whole life. Because as much as that creates hype, it's not really a sustainable way of building anything. Yeah, uh, most likely. And, and you know what, when, when I saw some artists uh, like early 2022 or late 2021 who were saying like, that's it, I'm quitting my day job, I'm becoming an NFT photographer, wish me luck. <laughs> uh, if if I knew them, I would be sending them direct messages and saying, please don't. <laughs> uh, even though it's a market that's really hot and very, um, you know, active back in the day, it's still... Uh, uh, so new, so risky, so unreasonable to do so that uh, I would advise against that. But photographers are kind of like well used to this. So for majority of photographers, and we have uh, like 600 plus photographers on our platform as Loika, we manage over 2000 photographers across other marketplaces like Super Air Foundation uh, and others. Uh, and when we talk to majority, well, to, to all of those people, the majority actually have multiple income streams. Uh, and, you know, the way it works for a professional photographer that they have a print shop, for example, that might bring them, you know, like as little as $1,000 a year or 2000 you know, depends on how actively they promote it. Uh, they might have their workshops that might be their either, you know, part-time earnings or full-time. They might have their like um, sponsorships and partnerships that they do with different companies like Backpack or photo editors and so on and so forth. So the previous company that I worked with, uh, Skylum, they were very actively uh, having partnerships with probably like 50 or 60 different photographers and would pay them either like a, a monthly retainer or, you know, some sort of uh, other fees. And so basically for many of those photographers, it's kind of like com combining together seven or eight income streams. So selling presets, selling maybe some uh, sponsored uh, posts on Instagram. Uh, and I think for the best photographers, NFTs are becoming just like, hey, this is part of my income stream. So I offer my prints, they're assigned prints uh, through my like print shop or something. I offer workshops and I offer NFTs. And why would I offer NFTs? Well, they are a digital medium. I pay attention to this. I'm in this space. I'm on, you know, X and on Instagram. Um, and so there is some reputational um, aspect to this. Uh, like one example, I bought a while back some images, uh, very, very expensive from an artist. And I'm like, you know what? I just want to bet on this artist. Uh, I uh, know this photographer. He's young. He's traveling the world. He has... Uh, He's going to be so great. He's already great, but he's going to get, like, become the greatest, <laughs> basically. And I'm like, you know what? Even NFTs are, like, up or down or sideways. Uh, if if I'm patient enough, I think it's a good long-term bet. And so I think that's what's important for uh, collectors in the space. If you have a little bit of money or a lot of money, is to make those long-term personal bets, on people that you see are pushing kind of like, you know, the uh, uh, the envelope of technology, the envelope of what's possible with 
uh, traveling to remote places uh, and so on and so forth. So like whatever the angle the artists might have, like if they are the best in their field, I think it's a good bet that they will be uh, even better and greater in the future. Hopefully. <laughs> so I want to I, I wanna jump on that question because I think for the average person that perhaps doesn't have a background in photography and wants to be a collector, what are the kind of things that they would look out for? I mean, it's difficult to gauge, as you say, to bet on the reputation of an artist if you don't necessarily have the technical know-how to understand that they're pushing boundaries, for example. So for the average person who wants to collect uh, NFT, if it's photography NFTs or alternatively, um, who are the kind of people that, that do collect these NFTs? Are, is it usually people that are already well-versed in the photography space? What are you seeing with Sloika? Yeah, well, I think the, the best example that I can give is photographer that is with Sloika. His name is Eric Barre. Um, I see a, lot, a few listeners that definitely know him. Uh, and he's doing light uh, painting, basically. So uh, in the middle of the night uh, with a model of his, uh, like in a desert, and basically, he teaches that as a course. Uh, there's a lot of YouTube videos that he releases. Uh, there's uh, free courses that you can take. Uh, there is tools that you can buy that he would sell those like uh, tubes for making light painting. And in the course of uh, like eight years that he's been doing that, he discovered it by accident, started doing that, became good at that. And by now, he is simply the best light painting photographer out there literally the best and so uh, he teaches that course to like twenty five thousand people <laughs> in his group in his community and he gives that knowledge for free everybody can go and repeat what he does or you know uh, best him in some way but it's impossible nobody can he is the best and so uh because of that uh the nfts that he's producing the art that he's producing um, is more valuable, for example, than other artists in uh, like doing similar techniques, for example. So that's one of those. Um, the other part is that he is actually generous with his time. So by making those free videos, by making those free courses, uh, by selling, uh, like he's making those uh, tubes to sell and selling those tubes to anybody who wants to try, he is trying to improve... Uh, I guess trying to improve the world, you know, making it a better place uh, so that artists can create art and that they can follow some techniques and be amazed how beautiful the photos turn out to be. And so by having this community, it also gives them uh, a bit of that um, kind of like a customer base. So if myself or somebody else really enjoyed what he does uh really got uh you know some some useful information from the courses from the stuff that he's doing it kind of makes sense that like hey i can support and basically give back by actually buying some art so it kind of like becomes a uh an appreciation thing right uh and in addition to appreciation it's also like i can collect and potentially it becomes more uh, valuable. Again, if, if I'm buying to collect and to keep, I don't really care if it becomes more valuable or not. Uh, maybe if it becomes like a thousand times more valuable, I would be very grateful and I can sell it and you know buy myself something nice. Uh, 
Um, but if if it's like doubles in price, I don't think I'm even gonna sell because uh, it's it's a bit of that token of appreciation uh, that I really really like. Uh, and so there are similar artists in that space that are generous with their time, that are doing great stuff. And you can kind of see that they're pushing the techniques of what's possible. Um, I used to be a wedding photographer for like three times in my life. Uh, and like one thing I noticed is that back in the day, there would be like no pictures inside uh, churches because it would be too dark for a camera. And then suddenly technology would advance enough that there would be actually pictures uh, from inside the churches where, you know, flash photography would not be allowed uh, most of the times. And so technology progresses where we actually get something qualitatively new. Uh, and the same goes for, you know, uh, photographs of night sky before it was uh, possible only for, I don't know, like governments uh, to pick, to have pictures of night skies because the lenses were so expensive, so hard to make and sensors or like film photography was um, inaccessible to, to pictures of night sky. And now it's, possible even with freaking iPhone or Android. Uh, and so this advancement allow people to have new perspectives. And those are kind of like qualitative um, uh, jumps in technology. And so photographers are keenly aware when those uh, transitions happen. And usually the ones that are the most experimental, the most forward thinking are the ones who are uh, embracing those new techniques and actually just making something something that was impossible just a couple of years ago. So I want to get back to the curation process on Sloika in a little while, but before we get there, just to touch on the tech aspects. Um, so NFTs in the context of photography, obviously it promises revolution for ownership, for provenance of digital images. So if I'm a photographer, what are the selling points? I mean, as you said earlier, even though you have an NFT marketplace, you wouldn't necessarily advise that someone goes all in on, on, on NFTs as the thing that's going to generate them an income. But in terms of the tech itself, what are the most appealing aspects for photographers in terms of the problems that NFTs and all of these different Web3 technologies solve? Well, for photographers who, for example, uh, are represented by galleries and sell their work in galleries, uh, as just one example, the other would be like photo stock imagery, is that the artist rarely knows who bought the art. So the gallery would sell it, the gallery might maintain the relationship with the buyer, but the artist is unlikely to have that relationship, unlikely to know who bought it. Uh, was it a man, a woman? Uh, are they repeat customer? Are they not repeat customer? You know, like what is happening is unknowable. And so there is no connection between the photographer and actually the collector on the other hand. And if we take the photo stock images, uh, you also don't know who bought your image. So you might be selling your image for like 10 bucks or 20 bucks to Coca-Cola for a giant billboard. Usually they'll pay a little more and a little extra, but like big companies are very used to paying uh, very small money for images and then blasting them all over the uh, uh, billboards, for example. Uh, but most of the time, you may not even know who bought it uh, un unless you happen to, you know, come across the billboard or advertisement or whatever. Um, and yeah, there's no relationship. It's it's kind of like, uh, and with NFTs, you actually have uh, that chain 
to not only prove, you know, who owns it through blockchain, obviously, but also you happen to have who was the first to collect. And if anyone would, you know, anywhere near Los Angeles or any other art museum, like if you go to Getty Museum, for example, in LA, uh, there's a lot of art and all these like plaques say, would say that the first artist to collect uh, from artists uh, were actually other artists. So people would hang together like we do in Web3 space, you know, especially in the bear market. And who would buy the art is other artists. And the artists to signify that, uh, you know, they bought or collected from other artists that would actually write their names and, and the date where they collected this on the back of the canvas. So that was the original blockchain. Um, and I found to, that to be very fascinating because it's not the rich collectors that came in later. It's actually the artists that supported artists. And from that point, it's, kind of like those tastemakers that specific artists would collect specific art uh, and basically dictate what trendy, what's cool, what's fashionable, uh, and what others should collect. And over time, uh, you know, rich people would come in and be like, oh, yeah, I want that. <laughs> I'll pay you more. I want that. So I, I think it's quite fascinating uh, that that's happening. And um, NFTs... Uh, are uniquely positioned because it's not limited in time and space anymore. So you don't have to be in the same town or the same city, uh, like you know, in Venice, uh, in uh, like in the Middle Ages, in the uh, uh, Medici, uh, like time, for example. You actually can be anywhere. You can be in South Africa. You can be in India. You can be in Indonesia. You can be in you know Mexico and still have an amazing relationship and build it, you know, one text message at a time with collectors. <clears throat> and maybe you meet them in person, maybe you don't. Uh, but, you know, for people who have been on the internet for way too long, they know that it's possible to form real friendships, uh, long-lasting friendships on the internet. So I think it's possible to do so with collectors. We just have to be... I guess respectful if somebody decides to put their money towards a specific piece of art. Uh, and I think for artists, we, we had this time where artists would treat that as the ATM. So if you bought something from an, an artist, then it just becomes like, hey, you have to buy my next piece. Um, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I think in most cases, you kind of like have to be uh, respectful and build that relationship over time. Um, speaking of traditional museums, if I may, most museums and most collectors tend to actually uh, focus on small number of artists and collect big chunks of their art. Uh, so like a lot of pieces from small number of artists. So collectors also kind of like make bets uh, based on personality, based on the artist and tend to, if they have conviction that this is what they want, that they just collect a lot from that particular artist. So oftentimes, big chunks of money are going to a very small number of people. Uh, and I think we have to also understand and see that it's been traditionally the way for hundreds of years and likely to continue whether it's with NFTs or not. Yeah, so on that note, because I, I think this is such an important point to touch on, we talk so much in the Web3 space about democratization of basically anything, 
but especially access. So if you're a photographer and you're leveraging Web3 technologies, how does that position you in relation to, for example, the traditional photography market where it sounds like there's a lot of gatekeepers? Now, exactly right, as you say, these institutions and these processes have been in place for hundreds, if not thousands of years in terms of, you know, people do tend to kind of huddle around something that they already know that they're invested in and that there's a lot of promise. But do you see that the Web3 space is opening up access for photographers to markets, to collectors, uh, and really to people that otherwise they might have been been gatekept from, but because of the introduction of this technology, they are able to have access to or be reached by people, uh, you know, wherever across the world that is not necessarily uh, applicable or even possible in the traditional photography uh, market and space. Yeah, I'm not going to sugarcoat. Um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> uh, I, I think, unfortunately, is that it is like what we're trying to build is uh, something new, but I, I think a lot of uh, marketplaces and a lot of players in the space, they try to look back at uh, traditional tastemakers, so to say, and basically ask for their approval. And one example is that um, Art Basel Miami uh, was... Uh, you know, basically penetrated a couple of years ago, maybe still is, with like NFT projects and everything like that in like 2021, for example, when I went there, uh, trying to one-up the traditional art space. And basically like, you know, it, it, the way it looked is like to tell the traditional art market that like, hey, we got money too and we can party as well in uh, in Miami. <laughs> so uh, unfortunately, that, that that's what it's felt like to me. Uh, and I think uh, the way that's happening is that like big projects want to work with like luxury brands, you know, from Gucci to Louis Vuitton to like Nike and stuff like this. This is the same thing of trying to achieve uh, approval from traditional players. And, you know, th that basically goes down the same path. Uh, one example is like FTX with their ads of like all the uh, Hollywood actors and stuff like that. Uh, trying to push us the narrative that like crypto is the new thing it's i think when it happens this way it's not gonna be like it's going down the same path exactly and so for us to take a new path we kind of have to say like well what if there's no luxury brands that are endorsing our stuff like what is and that is probably like a hundred times harder question like how do we build uh that is uh, new and unseen before and I, I think there's like countless examples that it did happen in the past you know we switched from horses to cars <laughs> and from cars to like electric bikes it, it's just like it's a whole different thing that happens and it just displaces the old industry completely and i think eventually that's going to happen with web3 but frankly there's a lot of people experimenting uh, a lot of people like uh, your team, uh, like our team and like countless other teams in the space trying to find that particular kind of like point of application where if you push hard enough, then it's going to move the earth, basically. Um, but I think we're still looking for that. I, I don't think there is a specific case where it's like, yes, this is it. And that's working perfectly. And it's just, you know, 
growing momentum moment after moment. So I, I think it will take a bit of time. And I think that's what bear market is for, is that when we actually have to rethink what is important um, and what kind of like, what are we doing here in a space? So like, if there are no sales, what are we doing here? Or like, if there are no collectors anymore, like, what are we doing here? Uh, and that those difficult questions are the ones that actually make uh, us move forward and make us do things that are critically important to the community that we're building. So for us, bear market is a, a surprisingly a good thing. <laughs> uh, not so, not so, so far. I, I 100% agree with you. I 100% agree with you on the bear market really being a system of checks and balances that the industry needs um, because I always remind myself and, and pretty much everyone I speak to, if you look at the adoption curve and the adoption cycle, I mean, we're still so early and all of these growing pains are people trying to find their way to navigate their way through this new possibility that we have, but it definitely is not the time where we can say, okay, this is the solution. This is the, the promised land that we've been waiting for because we are still figuring this out. But that brings a question to mind for me in terms of NFTs. Do you think, well, I mean, whether we call them NFTs, whether we call them digital collectibles, whatever the case may be, but do you think that they have the, the, the potential to really alter the value perception of digital art, of photography in the broader society? Because as you said now, for photographers or for artists, the NFT market at the moment is really not a, a great place to be in because there's not a lot of movement happening. But do you think that over time as adoption, and I'm talking about adoption, not necessarily now, how many people are buying NFTs, but as it really just continues to infiltrate the, 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 the average everyday consciousness of people out on the street, do you think that it has a positive or is going to have a positive influence on how people value digital art as opposed to, you know, thinking that art is perhaps something that's out of their reach because, I mean, you have to go to a gallery. Um, what impact do you think this is having on the average person over time? Yeah, I, I think uh, the short answer is yes, uh, that it will have a positive impact. And, and I think what's happening is that currently there are millions of people uh, so far that experienced digital ownership uh, with with NFTs. And I think that's amazing. So I think that uh, it's actually coming through as a message, kind of like loud and clear that like, hey, I can own this particular piece because blockchain enables this. Blockchain is great. It, it has a lot of flaws, but for one, you know, chain of locks uh, and a bit of immutability on most chains is a great way to build that trust. And I think over the last, what, like six-ish, seven years, that trust has been established that most chains are immutable, that they're fairly secure, and that you can have verifiably clear ownership uh, of something that's been created by someone, you know, from artist to a collector. Uh, and I think that perception is changing so that uh, it's okay to own digital piece of art. Uh, here's a here's a trivia question. When, you know, uh, I watch Netflix or listen to Spotify, I do not own this content. I'm like renting. It's like for access thing. And when you realize that actually you don't own the music, 
actually you don't own those movies uh and they can you know get into the streaming or get out of the streaming uh they can kick somebody out you start realizing like hey actually having some uh ownership of uh music uh through again blockchain and decentralized storage of movies uh video clips and art is actually the first time in you know two or three decades when we start having this in the digital sense because before uh like yes you can have painting that's great you're going to store it and the storage costs and the children costs can actually add up so for serious collectors i think it's a very very easy and natural step and this is kind of like what we were banking for like we have 600 uh, artists on sloika uh, everybody is verified, so everybody uh, has been vetted by us. And what we are banking on is that for collectors who've been collecting, uh, let's say, photography, not digital, but like in, in film, printed or whatever, uh, for them, once you amass specific number of those artworks, you have to insure them, you have to store them, uh, you have to maintain them. So whether it's like community-specific uh, rooms and stuff like this, and that really, really adds up. So buying yourself a ledger and, and paying gas fees uh, and buying photography in the digital form is actually a very uh, cost efficient way. So maybe saving uh, people between like five and 10 times uh, what it costs in you know physically storing those, um, those assets. Uh, and I think the transition will become very natural. It just, doesn't happen all at once i think it's going to happen like you know one person realizes this another person realizes this um and then just as a you know small uh from a small snowball to an avalanche it's going to be happening uh faster and faster uh it's just that the timeline for that is not known so maybe it's going to take three years uh but i think it's inevitable because in essence it will probably provide that 10x improvement that uh, technology needs to actually push that forward. Uh, it's just that for many people, they don't collect that as much photography, for example, or as much of anything. Uh, but yet, I do expect that to change over time as well, because we've seen people collecting uh, like art figurines, for example, and art figurines is, uh, you know, the other name for that is PFP. <laughs> you know, it's basically like, hey, if you like uh, some avatars and you want uh, avatars that you can trade easily because people trade them anyway, they just have to meet up or they have to send them through a centralized uh, marketplace uh, that will authenticate and then, you know, send them over to the buyer. So, Basically, it provides a very significant improvement in costs and speed uh, associated with that. So, uh, again, early innings of uh, NFTs, uh, technology is getting better, uh, transactions are getting faster, the costs are getting lower. So, in maybe in two three years, we'll just like stop talking about the technical side. They will just keep trading left and right because it's just invisible and uh, seamless uh, and almost free and yet secure and like effortless basically and so that's going to happen and we probably wouldn't even notice when that happens 
Well, and that's when we know that things are going well is when we stop noticing the underlying technology because it's just the best possible solution out there and it happens to be Web3. Um, so I want to get more into Sloika. Obviously, you come from, uh, as you say, I aged you earlier when I did your bio, but I mean, you come from a long history of being involved in the photography space. So what is Sloika's mission to empower photographers? Well, that's what we want to do. Uh, we want to make sure that we give the best tools possible to the artists uh, and basically empower them for uh, what we call a digital renaissance. Um, and the way we've done this, uh, like, for example, we were the very first, uh, and again, we were talking like, you know, summer to fall of uh, 2021. So what is it? Two years ago, right? Um, and the way we started that is that we were the very first marketplace to push for artist-centric smart contracts. Uh, and that was before people even understood, like, what is a smart contract? Why do I care if it's uh, centralized or decentralized? Why do I care if it's a verified uh, on Etherscan or not? Uh, and people would just go on OpenSea and do whatever they need to do. Uh, but over time... Uh, well, I guess we were directionally correct that now it's an important aspect of how photographers treat uh, the space uh, they, or any artist. They really care about the sovereignty of smart contracts. So uh, for us, when we pushed for that, well, <laughs> we spent a few hundred hours on Twitter spaces uh, back when it was Twitter and back when spaces were, uh, uh, you know, uh, quite popular as well uh, to try to explain why should people care? And one of the underlying message was like, hey, we've done this for 20 years, not necessarily in NFT space, but like in the photography space. We want to do what's best for the photographer. We want to do what's best for them. And so everything we designed from the very first day was to make sure that it can outlive any particular company or any particular uh, technology. Um, what I mean by that is that uh, people are finding out that uh, when marketplaces shut down or, you know, FTX shut down and other things shut down, uh, Recur recently shut down, that they host NFTs on their servers. So when they shut down and stop paying their bills, guess what? Their NFTs are going into the drain. Uh, and it's, you know, like for Recur, for example, that's worth 20, 30 million dollars of NFTs like completely uh, gone, basically, unless somebody takes it over. Um, for other marketplaces, that's probably around the same or even more. And so the way we uh, try to explain and try to build is that, hey, we don't know, we're a startup, you know, startups are risky. We don't know if it's gonna be successful or not, but we wanna make sure that the technology and solutions that we build will survive us, <laughs> will survive our company, uh, and because uh, myself and my co-founder, we've been in the startup world for a while. So like uh, for, for my co-founder, it's been probably a decade and a half. For myself, it's been two decade, uh, decades. Uh, we've seen companies go out of business left and right and just like wreck chaos for people that rely on them. So we wanted to make sure that it's built in the most robust manner possible and in the most transparent manner possible. So we would get technical. Uh, there's probably some people who have been in our spaces like back in 2021. Uh, we got really technical and we're like, look, you wouldn't care about this two years down the road. Uh, that's what we uh, mentioned to you, Nadja, that 
people will just transact and wouldn't care like oh are you on you know l2 or l1 or like whatever's happening it's just going to happen seamlessly but in the early days we wanted to educate and so um that part uh, i think we we did to the best of our ability um we also made sure that you know we understand the artist well so we had phone conversations email zoom with every artist that we had early on and we would ask them questions like, what do you do? How do you make money? Uh, do you care about these things or do you care about that things? Um, kind of have to remember that in 2021, for example, OpenSea images used to be postage stamp size. So they were tiny with a lot of data on the side. And we're like, photographers hate that. <laughs> like photographers want to show their art instead of showing like a postage stamp, you know, two by three or something like that. Um, and so what we made is the images are beautiful, high quality. Uh, and when marketplaces said like, oh, you cannot have it more than like five megabytes or 10 megabytes, we said, you can have whatever you want, right? Like uh, we know that photographers, again, care about quality, care about delivering the best product possible to their buyers, to collectors. Um, licenses are the one thing is that when we started, we looked at every single marketplace, you know, from Foundation, Super uh, uh, OpenSea, like everybody who was around at, uh, at the time in 2021. And we digged deep in their terms of service. And we're like, wanted to figure out what you're buying when you're buying NFT. And what shocked us is that most, well, actually all of those marketplaces, and some of them do this today, they say when you buy NFT, you're actually buying nothing. Like you're actually not buying anything because they, you know, their lawyers were so afraid of actually putting some <laughs> proper wording that uh, you want. You know, and, and those are in the days where people would spend like thousands of dollars for NFTs. Uh, their terms would say you're actually buying nothing. Um, so we made a very significant change. We wanted to make sure that uh, the collectors are buying something. Uh, and we want to make sure that we also protect the artist. And so we introduced licenses uh, with uh, NFTs that became standard. So they are now thing that you can uh, see basically across the um, artist ecosystem. So things like this where we try to basically dig deep and figure out what are the technologies uh, and what are the ways that will become more prevalent in the future and try to basically build for that. Uh, some of them worked, some of them didn't, but uh, we keep talking to artists and we keep pushing forward. Yeah, I mean, that is really the, the hero's work in, in this journey of uh, really just pioneering and shaping a new industry is to be in the trenches, to do the work that's required to get us from where we are to where we want to go. But I think you touched on a really important point in terms of education. Because no matter who you are, whether you're, you are a retail user, retail investor, whether you work in the space, whether you're an artist, there's so many different aspects of education that needs to come into play. And there's so much that you need to wrap your head around. So what are you finding at Sloika? What are the most important points in terms of education specifically that is necessary for photographers and also for collectors to really wrap their head around before they're able to you know, be part of this new evolution of the technology and of the industry? 
Yeah, well, that's a great question because uh, early on we had to do a lot of uh, like technology part education and we realized that like, well, that part is still not done, but it's becoming less relevant. So we actually switched to uh, teaching a bit more on why, well, kind of like, so we, we talked about uh, not having gatekeepers and the marketplace is by definition is, is a bit of a gatekeeper. And the way we uh, try to solve this is by sharing that not all marketplaces created equal. So if somebody transacts on an open marketplace like OpenSea, for example, then they are not uh, protected by the marketplace. Uh, because people can go and impersonate, uh, you know, famous artists and basically try to scam. And that's been done a million times. Or marketplaces can actually, uh, uh, for artists coming from uh, countries, uh, you know, like uh, Iran, for example, that was a very, very uh, unfortunate case where hundreds of artists got just basically removed from open sea and their livelihood was threatened because of that. Uh, it's kind of like goes against decentralization <laughs> thesis in a way. Uh, and the way we think of this is that, well, we possibly as a company might have to comply with, uh, you know, some US or other regulations, but we want to make sure that the technology we provide is, is actually impossible for us to stop those artists from doing what they need to do. Um, and I think that's important to build that in the right manner. Um, and if there is, you know, let's say a, a takedown uh, from the US government to say like, you have to remove this artist or something like that, we actually cannot do that. <laughs> and because it's properly built and fully decentralized and we we just can't. It's it's in the artist uh, domain. It's in their wallet. Uh, they control it, and they uh, can decide what to do with that. And I think this is the beauty of that: is that we actually actively try to get to that stage. Uh, and many centralized marketplaces uh, are actually actively trying to stop artists from having that sovereignty. So I think that's important uh, part of education not related to technology, but more related on how, I, I guess like, same, I don't know how to say, semi-technology or something like that. And well, yeah, sorry. And on the other hand, it's about the authenticity. So something I mentioned earlier that people can go and impersonate somebody else uh, on an open marketplace and make some money. In our case, we try to verify every artist. We try to talk to them. Uh, get to hear their voice, get to hear their, uh, see their uh, face if they're uh, willing, and basically try to do some background work to make sure that the artists that we have on our platform are all verifiably real human beings and real artists and not scam artists. <laughs> so different kind of artists. And uh, by doing so, we basically build that trust uh, brick by little brick to make sure that when the bear market is over and the bull market is back, then collectors can feel confident that there is a, a huge chunk of beautiful art available for sale by real artists that put real work uh, and basically been there from early days. And it's also like on, on chain. And that's why even through bear market, we would advise artists to basically keep building 
keep minting, keep participating in a variety of on-chain activities because it's sort of like building your resume. So if you have like a, a, a you know, a, a weird gap of like three years between jobs, it might, you know, some questions might come up if you're in the corporate world. Uh, and the same is, I guess, true to NFT market is that if you are not present during bear market, uh, it might actually just be a little strange to, to, to you know, to some people. Um, it's, it may not be a failure of the artist. There might be other things happening in, uh, in real life, but it's, it's still a bit of a indicator of how, uh, you know, how an artist decide to build for long-term basically. And I think, you know, going back to like my uh, wedding industry experience is that people don't become wedding photographers overnight. It takes years to build that, um, you know, portfolio of uh, couples that are becoming engaged, get, get married and then getting referrals. So that usually takes four, I don't know, three to five years to get to up to speed. And then when weddings happen, they usually book them a year or two in advance. So you kind of need to keep on going, even uh, though the market might be going, you know, doing the, their weird things. Um, same with NFTs, it, that consistency and showing up uh, that I think matters the most. Uh, at least so far, at least to, you know, to people like me. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's a really good point. And I love the way that you phrase it as it's almost like building your resume, uh, because exactly what you said to your point, if if you're in there in the bull market, I mean, everyone is there in the bull market. But what really differentiates people is, are you there when the times are tough? Are you there because you believe in what you're doing? You're not just there because the hype is there. But I want to, I want to, because I see we're almost out of time and I want to get to at least one audience question. Uh, final question then from me, in terms of the curation on Sloika, what is your process like? What criteria do you use to select and to showcase photographers and NFTs on the platform? Yeah, we try to look for a couple of things. One is consistency so that the portfolio shows uh, kind of like some progression of specific kind. Uh, so when I started photography 20 something years ago, I took pictures of everything, flowers, cats, dogs, whatever. And so, yeah, that's, that's not consistency. That's how people get started. Uh, and so we look for that consistency. We look for progression. Um, we look for uh, kind of like for some either technological or artistic uniqueness. Um, so one example that I shared earlier is that uh, there are people that, that they're doing light painting and they're doing it better than uh, everybody else. So that is a great example. Uh, there are people who are hiking mountains that other people just are unwilling to hike because it takes a long while or people who are shooting uh, in the middle of the night for like star trails uh, and that takes like 12 hours to take one picture uh, and weeks to process. So there's just some things that are just too hard uh, for others to go through or, you know, some underwater photography and things like that, uh, that we value a lot. Um, to be honest, we sometimes look at the follower count as well, uh, because again, in the bear market, I think it's important to be more prepared for success than for failure. And so we might talk some people out of, uh, either minting like everything that they have, or just basically be, uh, slightly more specific in how they approach the, the, the market and minting. 
but in the end, as I mentioned, like I think it's better to kind of like mint and to have some work than to not have it. Uh, but having said that, uh, again, bear market is is real. So when that happens, uh, these days we're like, look, we love for you, you know, to be on our platform, for example. But here's the thing: like you have to be prepared that uh, sales may not be. Uh, you know, kind of like immediate. And I think some people get it, some people don't. And I think our our goal is to basically try to uh, explain that alongside other technological parts. Um, to be honest, one thought that I had, like I've been chatting with a lot of artists recently, uh, I think 90% plus still don't understand blockchain and blockchain transactions. <laughs> so I think we still have a long way to go. Uh, we're getting there one one bit at a time, but it's still very hard to explain. And kind of like for me, I'm a, a bit of a techno nerd, so I like the technical aspects and creative aspects. And so uh, I tend to be like in those both worlds at the same time. And when I get technical, I'm like, how can you not understand that, you know, transaction is pending or like uh, that the gas is like this or that. Uh, so uh, that requires me to be also a bit more patient and uh, understand that not everybody's been in this space for that long. Uh, but we do want to share that knowledge. We would do want to make sure that it's uh, uh, that it's out there, that if people are interested, that they can get access to that and that they have a resource uh, that, you know, we've been preparing for artists uh, over, over the last two years. And in this space, we also have to update and change it every like three or four weeks because things are changing so, so rapidly uh, that for people who are coming into space now, it's very different experience for people who are, who've been in a space from like 2021, for example. So I'm looking at the questions here. I want to kind of combine a couple of them. Um, so specific thanks to Nunu and to Sephoria for the inspiration. Uh, there's some questions here about marketing, about user acquisition, retention, engagement in the NFT community. And I think we've touched on this bear market enough to really focus this question specifically on this market. I mean, it's a difficult time to be marketing. It's a difficult time to be acquiring users, to engage them, to retain them. So what are your thoughts on both for Sloika and for photographers in this space? What is the best practice at the moment when People really don't have the appetite that they do during a bull market. Uh, what are some of the strategies that you can recommend uh, that people look at? Um, excellent question. To be honest, that's something we've been thinking a lot in the last uh, six months or so since we started seeing the slump in the market. And I think the way it works is that in the in the on the at the top of the market, we saw that people would sell, you know, their collection or their one on ones for ridiculous amounts of money very fast you know you'd put a collection out and it would be gone within like minutes or seconds uh people would engage in gas wars people pay ridiculous gas fees for that and then when the market started showing some softness uh we saw the emergence of uh limited editions so people would come out with an edition and it would be like a 50 edition 20 edition that would in, and obviously the price point would be much, much lower, uh, usually, you know, corresponding to the number of editions. And so we saw that it creates a bigger market, but the collectors that would be buying big pieces would stop 
buying those and so uh it would go to like uh middle class collectors i'm one of those you know i buy my eth at market prices so i'm one of those that uh looks at additions as the way to build my portfolio because uh i have to put my real money into you know the art that i'm buying so that means that i'm not buying something else uh when i do that and when we saw even more market softness, we saw the emergence of open editions. So people started uh, making open editions with like no end inside just to keep the momentum going. And I think what all of this comes down to is that over time, the prices will keep dropping close to zero and they will probably stop at zero. I think it's going to be incredibly uh, foolish if uh, artists will have to pay <laughs> for people to accept NFTs. So I think zero is the uh, the lower mark. And I, I think what's happening is that NFTs are becoming that uh, attention, basically, mechanism. And what I mean by that is that you still have a bit of a gas fee, uh, depending on you know blockchain. But basically, it means who is there uh, not necessarily to support me, but who is there to notice that I'm in space? Who is there to uh, see my journey through, you know, through the space and through life? Uh, and I think we'll see the emergence of, um, you know, this is something that we're working on in, in full transparency to actually help artists to uh, build their base, you know, build the people that are around them to support them even if the cost of supporting is actually, you know, big fat zero, because in the attention economy, you can look left or you can look right. And we have like attention span of a hamster these days, you know, it's like three seconds or five seconds. And so actually uh, an effort of clicking a button to collect is still already a significant uh, effort. And so, if there are artists that, uh, you know, kind of like are keen to experiment in this, uh, kind of like in, in this space, uh, reach out to me, we'll set you up with something. Uh, but basically, I'm thinking that you still want to sell your art at specific price points, but you also want to have those kind of like crumbs, breadcrumbs, for like a better word, that uh, people around you can basically... It's the old, you know, you know what it is? It's this old school like button on Facebook. It's like, can I just collect through a like button? Uh, back when like buttons actually meant something. So I'm talking like 2005, 2006, when people would be like, OMG, he liked my post. <laughs> uh, uh, and so I think we are in that phase, but now you can have not just the like button, but a corresponding uh on-chain transaction that basically can build your um, attention journey, for lack of a better word. Um, and through that, I think we'll see that there will be artists that are emerging through the month or years to come that would actually be able to support and reflect uh, the attention that was given by their supporters and give back uh, when 
you know when they become big and famous and then all these museums and stuff like that so supporting artists before they are cool is actually the hardest thing because you really have to genuinely do that you cannot be like oh i love taylor swift well everybody loves taylor swift oh most everybody most everybody loves taylor swift but loving taylor swift back when she was getting started is a whole different story and so if you have something to prove that i think that's a very significant uh differentiator basically in in how uh how your story and fandom is kind of like getting built and so the same for artists um not everybody will become big not everybody needs to become big but i think uh you know putting your attention putting limited attention span um towards specific artists is what will make a difference and so that's kind of like what we're working towards um, so thank you so much for a very, very level-headed discussion, because I think, you know, this is one of the benefits of the bear market is no one is out there proclaiming how amazing everything is. We are very well aware of the issues and we are actually actively working on solving the issues as opposed to just running to the next big thing. Um, I think, you know, anyone tuning into this episode, whether live now on Twitter Spaces or on the podcast episode afterwards, uh, definitely have gotten a lot of insights from from our conversation today. So where is the best place for people, whether it's photographers or collectors or just people generally interested in what we were talking about, where's the best place to follow you and to follow Sloika? Yeah, we're very active on, on X. <laughs> so uh, I, I hope that DMs are still not broken <laughs> by uh, Mr. Musk. And if so, yeah, we're, um, well, we're active on uh, on X and we uh, put a lot of um, stuff for artists, like open calls and information and other stuff. It's very easy to get lost. So I would advise people who want to follow Sloika Journey is to enable notifications on Sloika account. Uh, that would probably be best to receive up-to-date uh, messages and open call opportunities and other stuff like it, it's just enormous amount of stuff that we're trying to do in this bear market from grants to photographers uh we just recently announced that we're going to give grants to indonesian uh, photographers because uh we think they deserve it uh we just gave um prizes for an open call for uh, photographers as well on sloika so um there's been three five winners uh, of that with cash prizes or like crypto prizes that we actually uh, sent. Uh, so a lot of stuff that's um, that's basically happening every, I don't know, every few days. And we basically try to make it fun and easy to participate into just kind of like as a temperature check, like who is there, who is active, uh, you know, I know it's not easy, so we're like, hey, it's not easy for us. It's not easy for you. Let's let's hang together. Let's see what we can do, and let's try to have fun and let's build something uh, meaningful. And you know, let's see what happens. And that's that's basically our message. Um, we try to be consistent about this, and we basically try to be also, as I mentioned earlier, as transparent as possible. So, like everything that we do is either on chain or we try to explain ourselves. Uh, I think that's also important uh, because it's it's the reputation that we're building, and it takes a while to build it. And so, 
we want to we want to be seen as the marketplace that was there for photographers in the good days and was there for photographers in a very um, you know <laughs> in a drought uh, of sorts that uh, we're in right now uh, and also giving the tools to you know basically overcome that in some ways um, so yeah um, Sloika and my account would be the best uh, to keep in touch. Well, I think that's the perfect way to end off today's discussion. Uh, just a reminder that in a drought like we are experiencing at the moment, this is really the time when that human-to-human -human connection is what's important because as soon as the bull market starts, then everyone's running after the hype again. But really, that's the time to look at who was active in the, in the bear market, who was there building when there was no incentive and just a lot of difficulty. Uh, so Ev, thank you so much for your time today. We're really excited about what Sweka is building and looking forward to following along on the journey with you guys. And to the audience, thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I think it's been an amazing discussion, whether or not you're a photographer. And I will catch you again next week for another episode of The Future of NFTs brought to you by Adlunum. Cheers, guys. You've been listening to The Future of NFTs. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite streaming platform like Spotify or iTunes. Connect with Adlunum on Twitter at Adlunum Inc. or our website, adlunum.cc.